You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, whtt.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. And today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to entitle this U.S. Supra-Gov Policy in Syria is Clear But Evil. And Chuck has been doing some research here, and we're getting all kinds of mixed signals about what's going on in Syria. And Chuck, why don't you give us a little rundown from an article in the Financial Times that seems to confuse the issue more than clear it up. Well, the bottom line that we're going to get to at the end of this program is that war is really impending. Uh, we're seeing bigger and fatter signs of it all around us, and this U.S. SuperGov policy, uh, we're going to define who the U.S. SuperGov is and, and how this is war policy and how we are in desperate need of being able to get our churches, who have every reason to stand for peace, to stand up for peace. And, uh, and I, this is why our mission is so important because there are so few groups like us that actually believe that the churches can make a difference. So here we have this very fascinating story published by the London Financial Times, a venerable, dependable organization. In fact, I got to admit, I read it every day. I look at it every day because they have their fingers on policy. This is the establishment press of the UK, you might say, UK financial circles. And, of course, the U.K. is our partner and all the, our silent partner in all these wars that we're in. They're right there beside us, but uh, we never hear much about them. Uh, now, the London Times titled this article, The U.S. Has No Coherent Policy for Syria or the Wider Region. Okay, so what he's saying here is the U.S., this is his title, his name is David Gardner, the U.S. has no coherent policy for Syria or the wider region. So he's saying that we're just rambling around doing willy-nilly things, that there's no plan, no scheme, no, no objective, that it's all up in the air and, and so, so confusing. And that's what he titled his article. We changed it and called it the U.S. SuperGov policy in Syria is clear, but it's evil. And uh, we disagree that the U.S. policy is confusing. We think it's very clear. It's organizations like London Financial Times and the New York Times and our own press that confuse these things, talking about factions that are always having battles and fights and uh, then giving us this massive confusion about it. For instance, Financial Times starts off by saying, after six years of horrendous conflict on many fronts with many actors in a state of fragmented chaos and de facto partition, but a great deal of the confusion clouding any future it may have emanated from the chaos of the White House. So he's saying, yes, chaos of the White House is spreading. There is it's just chaos in Syria. We say to the contrary that we are carrying out an ongoing policy of making it look like we're uh, trying to get rid of ISIS when, in fact, we're trying to get rid of the Assad government. And uh, we have uh, supported and funded, we believe, ISIS, and we've written several stories about this, 
If we haven't funded them directly, they've been funded by Saudi Arabia, and uh, they drive around in new pickup trucks that they can always afford, and they have plenty of money and lots and lots of recruits who are paid. And so this is then pawned off on us as confusion. In fact, it's perfect order. There's nothing more systematic and, and orderly than ISIS. It just keeps grinding on. It's got unlimited funds, unlimited volunteers, and it's everywhere. So someone big is supporting it, and we can't prove it, but we very much suspect that it's, that it's our government. Well, the whole article goes on in detail in that, in that manner, and, but maybe we could talk about some other confusing things we hear about. We heard today that Rex Tillerson, who is the Secretary of State, and of course we're supposed to be neutral and all of that, suddenly he's come out and he leaked that he wants to see regime change in Iran. Now, Iran is the biggest and most stable country in the Middle East, and it's not as big geographically as Saudi Arabia, but it's more of a nation state than Saudi Arabia or Egypt, I would say. Now we have our leaders of our government openly saying they want to bring about some sort of a revolution in some fashion that would overthrow the religious government of Iran. But this is kind of like saying that you want to go into Italy and kick the Vatican out of Italy. That's kind of what it's, it's like, say you want to overthrow the regime in Iran. And of course we know that they want to overthrow the regime in Syria because they say so all the time. Well, we know, Chuck, that the United States has a track record of changing regimes. We, since we're talking about Iran, the CIA was involved in the overthrow of the democratically elected leader Mohammed Mossadegh in 1953 that put in our man, the Shah, into power in Iran. So we have vested heavily in regime changes. There's indications that regime change is going on in places like Venezuela now with help from U.S. aid to the opposition there. So we see this as a continuous policy of this U.S. supra-government that Chuck has described, the unelected supra-government, and maybe Chuck can give us a little more definition of what that is, but we see that we've had continuous war since 1991 in the Middle East with the start of the first Gulf War by George Herbert Walker Bush, the first Bush in power, president, I should say, and the uh, no-fly zones that were continued by the Clinton administration. We recall that his Secretary of State, Madeleine Albright, when asked if the death of 500,000 Iraqi children due to these embargoes was worth it, she said, yes, it was. And so the second war on Iraq was started in 2000. Three, it was promoted as a just war, and we've talked about this on other podcasts. We knew then that it was not a just war, and time has told us that it certainly was not a just war. We can look back now, and we could probably forgive people that thought maybe it would be a just war going, but any honest student of history will see that the U.S. is the, um, the big bully, the elephant in the room, if you will, and has resorted to these wars 
where millions of people are killed, displaced, become refugees, and so it's an ongoing cycle, and uh, it's now hovering over Syria at this present time. Yeah, it's always, I think, when it looks at, look at anything like the wars and so forth, you know, follow the money. And Chuck, you brought up Iran, and it's really interesting that there's only three countries left that doesn't have a Rothschild-controlled central bank, and one of them happens to be Iran, the other one's North Korea and Cuba. The other ones are all fallen by the wayside, like Afghanistan and and Sudan and Libya, as time has gone on. So that's always the first question: is follow the money. What you know, cui bono? Who's who's going to benefit from these things? And I also like to point out what's going on with Syria. How in the news about this possible chemical weapon, another attack, or at least they're thinking about it. Words like on Fox News, activity seen at Syrian base where chemical attack originated, and it's. Pentagon sees new activity associated with chemical weapons. There, there's no proof of anything. And I, I think if, uh, if I remember right, when the United Nations went in to ex- examine the chemical attack that Syria supposedly did, they didn't find anything. I, you, you guys can correct me on that if I'm wrong on that one. They make these assumptions, they, a lot of feeling words, they believe this, that, and so forth. No hard proof, but yet that doesn't stop our military going in and exercising their force. Uh, in the situation. So obviously, there's another agenda behind this, and they just use these accusations just to justify their own uh, military action. Craig, you brought up a, a good subject. You talked about who are these powers, where do they come from? Why do we use this term U.S. supergov, meaning that it's above our government and it's unelected? And uh, who are they? And you mentioned the Rothschilds. This brings up the financial interests, and In case there's any of our listeners who haven't heard us say this over and over again, the motivation for all these wars is financial. Who's behind it is bankers. The Federal Reserve System is the biggest one of the international banking structures, though the Rothschilds' control of the banking structures in England is huge, and that's why they're our full partner in all these things that we go into. And so the need for war is something that we don't understand. We, we can't understand why we arbitrarily want to go in, annihilate a small country of 40 to 60 million people uh, who can't fight back, who has no chance against us, and then move on to the next one, say Libya, and destroy its president and throw them into chaos. Well, of course, these countries all have huge natural resources, and bankers love to capture natural resources. And the supergov above our government is financial, and the motivation for our wars is always financial. Uh, It's never that we hate the leader. It's never that we can't get along with them. It's never that they snubbed us. It's rarely they even tried to hurt us or bomb us or anything like that. Most of the bombing incidents in history against uh, the aggressor American nation, going all the way back to the Lusitania in World War I, have been a false flag operations where it's been made to look like we've, we've been attacked to justify the war. But the purpose of the war is always the need for bankers to acquire more assets. And uh, natural resource assets are a prime target. This is why Africa underwent terrible chaos a generation or so ago. And it's why the Middle East is being constantly attacked. So. We know this. We can sense who some of the operators are. We wish we knew all of their names. We don't. But we 
at least have given them a name, and we call them the United States Unelected Supergovernment. So please read our report. We've also got some links to it that we think will help you. Choose Life, Not War. It talks about the war issue. Chuck Carlson interviewed on the ongoing war against Islam, uh, which is, of course, a trumped-up war for the purpose of getting the oil. doesn't have anything to do with Islam. Believe me, the Rothschild family could care less how many Muslims there are in the world. There's no threat to the Rothschilds at all. The Rothschild dynasty, the Belfort Declaration, and war in Syria, and then who funds ISIS, and are we headed toward war with Russia? These are some stories that we've linked to this uh, story that we've written here, and uh, we'll be writing more about it. But coming down to the bottom line, guys, what do we need to do about this? It is the reason that we were at the Southern Baptist Convention, led by Craig and Tom, uh, two weeks ago uh, in a very successful operation. It's the reason we've been to, to a 150 churches all over. It's the reason we've challenged Christians United for Israel, who we're going to be talking about next week. It's the reason that the possibility of changing all this has got to come through this massive organization of Christians who go to, go to church every Sunday and are simply anesthetized so they never talk about peace, the need for peace, and they just don't know how to oppose war. And that's what our mission is all about, and that's why we do what we do. Well, thank you, Chuck. Yeah. I think that's a very good explanation of, of why you know, our reason to be, because we're taking the message to the pro-war evangelical church. And if you'd ask the typical parishioner, are you pro-war, they would say no, but they don't think through their own theology that allows them to be swayed by politicians or even their pastors to support these wars. And like we talked about, the land letter where the Southern Baptist Convention came out saying the Iraq war was a just war. Any military action by our government can be spun by the, the powers that be to say that it is a just war and that we're defending freedom or making the world safe for democracy or, or some other slogan that seems to work at the time. But our message is to get the peace message to the church and saying, let's make the church look like Jesus. Let's get on board with message that Jesus taught not some political agenda by this U.S. super governor or whoever else is behind the scenes. Well, thanks, Chuck and Craig, and ladies and gentlemen, give peace a chance. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.